Hey everybody, welcome to the Soulful Eclectic. I am your host, Diana Collins, and I want to welcome you to today's episode of um, Vaginal Health today. So if this is the first time you're visiting me, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out to um, spend with me. I appreciate you so much. And for those of you who have come and watched the video, thank you. I appreciate you as well. And for those of you who have listened to the podcast and have been following, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, and if you so feel in your heart and desire to subscribe, um, I thank you so much for that. And I appreciate you and everyone who has subscribed to the channel. Um, and also, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just want to thank you all. Thank you. I always said I started this just if one person um, listens and gets something out of it, then I have definitely met my challenge, right? And you guys have helped me surpass that immensely, and I wanted to thank you for that. Um, so today is something that I wanted to talk about, and I feel like it's really important, especially for uh, those of us who are not as comfortable going to the doctors as much as some people are. Um, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, I, you go for whatever the reasons you want to go for. But today, uh, I want to talk about vaginal health, right? And um, why do I want to talk about vaginal health? I know it's going to sound crazy, but um, you know how you marry, right? I, I'm married. Some of you are married. Some of you have boyfriends and significant others, girlfriends, whomever, right? And there's no judgment, no discrimination here. You, you might have plenty, whatever. I was friendly back in the day, so I get it. But um, we have to pay attention to our vaginal health. So both myself and my husband are healthcare practitioners. He's finishing his NP and I already have my NP. And so we were talking and he was studying and I was like, you know, a lot of women don't understand the importance of their vaginal health and paying attention to your vaginal health. And um, I said, I teach it to the students and they look at me and, you know, some, once in a while I get a little giggle here and there when I talk about genitalia, of course. We all revert to our childhood selves for some reason when it, when it comes to that. But that's okay. Um, but it, it's just one of those things that um, it, it's taboo, kind of. And it, and, it, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It's part of who we are. It's part of us as human beings. It's part of procreation. So it's definitely something that we need to and should pay attention to as women and as men, okay? And I don't wanna just put it all in our ballpark. You too should pay attention to the vaginal health of your significant other. It's really important to the both of you, right? So anyways, to backtrack this a little bit again, like I said, my husband and I were talking and we were talking about the importance of vaginal health and we were actually talking about our own relationship together and you know how we've grown we've been together seven years and you know and, and as I said in in one of my other episodes that you have to reintroduce yourself to your spouse sometimes or your significant other if you're not married because over the time you've changed uh, so you want to reintroduce yourself to this individual as you have evolved that person has also evolved and it's not the same person that you married um, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So it's always good to kind of do a check-in to see where you are in your relationship and communicate honestly and effectively to one another. And so that's one of the things we were doing. He was actually just studying, but it led to another very important conversation to have. And, you know, I am a little older than my husband is, so I actually 
um, led this conversation because I had questions. I was concerned because of my age, where I am in my, you know, uh, maternal age and where he is in his paternal age. So um, I, I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page and to communicate this. So when we were talking, vaginal health came into mind because we were talking about um, my sexual health and, you know, libido, estrogen changes, all these things are all part of that vaginal health. And so I was like, wow. And then um, he made a comment about um, our sexual activities and, and, you know, embracing different things in the bedroom. And, you know, it that made me laugh because all I could think of is the TV show Sex Took Me, Sent Me to the ER, right? And you see the, the one that really stuck in my brain is that one guy who melted down this huge gummy bear and then asked, asked his uh, significant other to pour it on his body and ended up with like third degree burns on his groin. So it, it, it was something silly that it brought to my mind. But in, in that silliness, there was some validity and some important information in there that I was like, oh, wow. We, we should, I should really share this information. I say we, but he's never going to come on here and talk with people. He's, he's not that guy. So, you know, I said I should really bring that conversation to the table because it's really important. People forget that their vaginal health is important and, um, and the things that can happen while you're trying to enhance the mood and do all these things that lovers do that couples do so in that this is why we're going to talk about vaginal health so if you have children in the room if they're teenagers this is good information for them as well as they're growing up and they should also start paying attention to their bodies as well so if you are comfortable with them staying in the room while we have this conversation by all means but if you are not here's a nice time for you to segue them out while we talk about vaginal health. So I'm going to start with some very basic um, information about your, your, your vagina. Okay. So, you know, with vaginal health, we have a pH balance. The normal pH balance for your, for your vaginal health is 3.8 to 5. It's very acidic. Well, moderately acidic. I don't want to say very acidic. It's moderately acidic. And um, it's normal. It's very normal. For, for your vagina to be acidic. It keeps that balance, right? Because what we don't want to happen is for it to be too, too alkaline and create a breeding ground or too acidic, killing off your good and normal flora, which is also going to cause issues as far as yeast infections, vaginosis, and all those kind of things. So it is really important that you pay attention to your pH balance. The other thing is understanding the anatomy of your vagina. You have your labia majora, your labia minora, and your clitoris and your um, urinary meatus, right? So urinary meatus is where urine comes from, and then you have your clitoris, which is your sexual stimulation, and then your protective folds, which is your labia majora and your labia minora. Um, and I and it's it, saying that and, and breaking it down to basic anatomy, it, it, it reminds me of my years teaching nursing and um, the importance of everyone understanding and seeing their vagina. Um, because I did have 
individuals in the past who tried to put a Foley catheter in the clitoris. Just does not work well. It doesn't work well. So um, it's, it, it really drives home the importance of understanding and knowing your anatomy. One of the things that I do tell individuals is that I know it's going to sound strange when I say it, but you should look at what your vagina looks like on a normal day-to-day -day basis. Okay, so that means you taking a mirror and just putting it down there and looking, right? Looking at the skin texture, looking if there's redness or tenderness, looking at the amount of discharge, the color of the discharge, those kind of things. Because if you know what your body looks like when it's normal or normal, what normal, whatever normal is, but a baseline is what I like to say. If you know what your not just your vagina, but your whole body. If you have a baseline intake of what is going on with your body, you can better explain those changes that you note when they occur. So how are you going to explain those changes if you don't know what it looks like on a normal day-to-day -day basis outside of looking at a picture, okay? Because a picture in a textbook is not going to depict what you look like, especially depending on the, on the stage of your life. Okay, because it's not going to look uh, all perfect as a teenage years when you were younger as when you are older and you've had a couple of kids. It's going to look moderately different. Okay, so you really should take a peek to see what it looks like. Um, so with that, there are the common disease processes that we have that happen. You know, we all talk about sexual transmitted diseases and I... I I don't want to beat that dead horse. And I don't want to say it's a dead horse because obviously because we still have to have that conversation, the damn thing is not dead. Somebody's not paying attention and understanding their assignment, okay? So with that, I'm just not going to talk about that right now because we have enough information out there um, about that. I mean, I, I can't say it's enough, but... Um, if we need to go and have that conversation at a later date, then we can have that conversation at a later date. I'm not opposed to it. I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, so I just want today to just be something about some basic stuff and the most common things that we see, especially now as we're all maturing a little bit. All right. So um, paying attention to your normal pH levels, the discharge, the color. So again, take a mirror and look at your vagina every now and again and just do a check-in to see how it's doing. One of the things I suggest to couples that if you are having that um, trouble with intimacy type deal, um, one of the things I do suggest is that you, 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 you do a health check on each other. Why, what, what better way to stimulate some intimacy than checking to make sure um, all the equipment is functioning properly, right? That's what I think anyway, but then again, I'm a little different, so <laughs> who knows? But yeah, so um, one of the things you can do is have your significant other and your or your spouse take a look and make sure that everything is where it should be. There is no lumps, bumps, and all the umps in between. And, you know, and then let you know or take a mirror. And then you do vice versa. You do the same thing. Um, we're going to talk about um, penile care and, and um, penile health um, after, not today, but on another day. But um, same thing because testicular cancer is not gone away. And people are finding out at older ages that they have testicular cancer. And it's 
due to not checking the testes. So why not check each other out to make sure you're, you're all set? Um, same thing with your breast and breast exams. It, I mean, he's going to fill you up. He or she's going to fill you up anyway. So why not check to see if there's any lumps there? All right. You're, you're together. It's a partnership. Work together. Keep, keep each other healthy. Keep each other alive. That, that, that's what I'm going at here. Okay. Um, I, I, I just want to share the workload. Why does it always have to be on one person? Why not? You're here. We're together. Fill me up, buttercup. Let me know what's going on. That kind of thing. All right. So that that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying with that. So with that, um, let me just start with some other basic stuff. So the most common, you know, things that we are seeing in the office is um, what I like to call honeymoon cystitis, right? Which is just your typical urinary tract infection. All right. And with honeymoon cystitis, I gave it, I mean, I didn't, I didn't label it. Someone out in the universe labeled it and I came across it and I liked it because it, it's a very soft way of saying that um, due to your increased level of sexual activity, you have developed a urinary tract infection, right? And um, one of the, the biggest things with that I like to share is that when you're, when you are having intercourse and it doesn't matter the type of sex you're having, it, I'm not even going to go there. All right. It's just going to be one of these very basic anatomy things. Women do not have the long urethra or the passageway where urine comes through like men do. Okay. Cause men have a penis. So when it's erect, it's longer. So it has a longer pathway for urine to go through. Women, we do not. Take a look at your clitoris. Take a look at your urinary meatus, where urine comes from. It's a short, it's a hole. It's not a pipeline. It's a hole. So you don't have a long road to void, okay? There's not a long pathway. It's short. So with that, it increases your, um, your susceptibility to bacteria getting up there and then living in a nice sterile environment. And now we, we've created this nice, warm, cozy place for bacteria to grow. And here we are with the urinary tract infection. So signs and symptoms of a urinary tract infection are gonna be definitely urinary frequency. You're gonna to go to the bathroom very often and go small amounts. You're gonna feel like your, your bladder is spasming, like it has to go and it really, and it's not that much in there. You may have some um, discharge, you may see some um, hematuria, so some blood in your urine. And so those kinds of things you wanna know. If left long enough and left untreated, and if you have some immunosuppression going on, which means that you don't have a good immune system to protect you. If you leave it un, um, untreated, it can lead to some serious urosepsis or uh, what we call polynephritis or kidney disease. Okay. So you do not, you do not want to let this go. If it does come and surface, if it's not easily cleared out, some people say drink cranberry juice. There's these cranberry um, over-the-counter things you can take. 
They have um, over-the-counter peridium, which helps with the spasms. If you take peridium, just be mindful that it does turn your discharge and your urine orange, so it can stain your um, underwear. Uh, so wear a liner and things like that. But uh, I, I honestly do not even want to um, give you those suggestions because I, I really would like you to go get seen, right? You should go get seen because if you have that raging of a urinary tract infection, you're going to need an antibiotic, okay? And unfortunately, we do not live in a country where we can get those over the counter just by walking in. So you will need to go see your provider. And you might have to disclose that you probably were sexually active and this is what happens. It's okay. You know, if you trust your provider, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, the other thing is one thing that can help prevent this is for you to void frequently, especially voiding after sexual intercourse. That is vital. Get up, go pee, and then go to sleep. That, that's all I can suggest um, because your urine is sterile and what it's going to do is um, you're going to void right down that canal and push whatever bac bacteria that may be trying to creep up, you push, push it right out. So um, that is the most logical suggestion that we give everybody um, when it comes to being um, afflicted or <laughs> afflicted. Ooh, sounds so bad. Um, for someone having symptoms of urinary tract infection. Um, so that's one of the big ones. Bacterial vaginosis is another one, and um, that's usually due to several different things, either coming in contact with someone who has um, been in a place, or I was going to turn it into something totally different, but um, same premise, but say it in a more... Um, a non-technical way, um, but let me let me go back and say it in a technical fashion. Uh, bacterial vaginosis. So bacterial vaginosis, vagin vaginosis, good grief in heaven. Um, you can contract this from either using sexual toys that have come in contact with someone who has had or has bacterial vaginosis and they were not cleaned. Um, you can from also your partner who has had contact with someone who has had vaginal bacterial vaginosis or from yourself due to um, changes in your own body chemistry and, and flora makeup, you can contract bac bacterial vaginosis and give it and then therefore and so forth and so on. So it can come from somebody and it can come from you by, um, I don't say natural means, but by the changes within your own body, you can get bacterial vaginosis. Bacterial vaginosis smells awful. Oh my gosh. Um, it smells like rotten fish. So you definitely will know. So when I say pay attention to your, to your vaginal changes, I'm talking about not only looking, um, but um, the smell, discharge, the color of the discharge, the amount of the discharge, all those things you want to pay attention to. And I know it sounds gross and like, oh my God, I don't want to pay attention to that. But you really, really should. You really should. It's really important. Um, so uh, birth control is a big thing. And depending on where you are in your, your religious sect, some people 
are for birth control. Some people are not for birth control. Here's the thing about birth control. Birth control is uh, our, our, our hormones that we're given, either estrogen or progesterone or combination of the both. And with those, you really need to be mindful of your level of activity. If you smoke, smoking and birth control pills do not go together. All right, just just to let you know, it increases your chances of having some cardiovascular issues and possibly having a stroke. So you want to be mindful of that. Um, talking about those of us with um, hormonal changes is another one that's really important because of our aging and our estrogen level. Um, you we have some changes in our normal vaginal conditions, right? So um, with our aging, as we age, our estrogen, our estrogen production decreases after menopause more than like most, most of the time. During childbirth, while, uh, while we're pregnant, our hormone levels changes during breastfeeding. So with that, we have less estrogen, so this can cause the vaginal lining to thin. Right? It can cause it to thin. You can come become very dry. When your vaginal lining is very thin, you can have it, it does lead to some painful intercourse or pain during sex. Um, and this is one of the things we want you to be mindful. Sex should not be painful, guys. All right. It it, it shouldn't. And this is what we want you to know. It, it should not be painful. So if you're having um pain during sexual intercourse, especially during penetration, you want to let your provider know, all right? Because then there are some things that have to take place, some tests that have to take place to see where your hormone levels lie, all right? And then um, some other things you want to, uh, we talked about vaginal redness and itching that goes along with those hormonal changes as well. Sometimes also the redness and itching could be due to um, yeast infections, or sexual transmitted infections, those kind of things. So you always want to pay attention to that. Bleeding in between your menstrual cycles, bleeding after um, pregnancy, bleeding uh, after, before or after menopause, those uh, kind of things you definitely want to be mindful of because of the significant numbers of uterine cancer and cer cervical cancer. So you want to be mindful of those changes in your body all right and and report them but again if you don't know what your baseline is what you your, your body looks like on a regular day-to-day -day basis when there's nothing going on with it it's going to be really difficult to for you to articulate to your provider what's going on in your vaginal health at this time um so with us, again, back to the aging piece, I told you it, this all conversation led up to the fact that I am getting up there in age, even though I don't look like it, thanks, um, but I am approaching that menopausal age. And so, you know, the other thing, you know, we talk about is the vaginal dryness and, and as I said, and the thinning lining. So one of the things you can do for the vaginal dryness is... You can use uh, KY Jelly. They have this stuff called Response, I think it is, um, also that you can use, and, and that helps lubricate the vaginal walls for you. 
um, to strengthen the vaginal walls so that um, you're, you're, you don't start to notice any masses or bulging in the vagina. So sometimes you can have vaginal prolapse or uterine prolapse, um, which is a thing, especially for somebody who does a lot of heavy lifting and things like that, and you're bearing down a lot. So you want to be mindful of that and, and, and take note of that as well. But in the event that you're, as we are Asian and you're noticing in your health that you want to strengthen those vaginal walls, your pelvic walls, you can do those exercises called Kegels. Men can do them too because they have a pelvic floor as well. So to strengthen your pelvic floor, do your Kegels, right? You just sit, you can sit there and nobody knows you're doing Kegels. You can, I mean, you can sit there and do 20 and, and no one has a clue, right? Um... The other thing I want to talk about with with that is also decreased libido. You heard me mention it earlier, and so if you don't know what decreased libido is, that is the um, inability to you don't you don't want to have sex. You don't. It, it's not there for you, um, and that's all could be one of two things. It can be a whole um, hormonal issue, right? You, you can just an imbalance where it's just like, it's not there for you. Or it can be a psychological issue. What's going on in your men mental state that is not wanting you to have sex? Now, some people just have a decreased libido, especially if they are have depression, if they have anxiety. Some people have a decreased libido because they're not where they want to be in life, so they don't feel like they're enough. So it can be a psychological thing doesn't have to be something heavy hitter. Like I said, I started out with depression. It, it, it doesn't have to be that, but sometimes it can be that. It can be something as the fact that the, the person doesn't feel wanted, doesn't feel sexy, or it, it, it opens up for communication, all right? In a nutshell, it opens up for communication so you and your significant other to have that conversation open and honestly. You want to know about each other's sexual health and sexual habits so that you can have a healthy relationship and have healthy sexual habits in your relationship, right? So we know pregnancy and childbirth also changes your um, vaginal health as well, okay? I often say that when women give birth, we're giving birth to a watermelon through a little portal. You guys, if you ever heard the vagina monologues, that's in there, all right? And that's one of the big things. You give birth to a watermelon coming through this small little portal. Okay, it stretches things out. It's, it, it's sometimes you got to get what we call an episiotomy because your baby's head looks too big or the shoulders were too big. Whatever, your, vet, your vagina changes after childbirth. Okay, plain and simple. Okay, we talk about um, part of that honeymoon cystitis with your bladder and, and, and you know urinary tract infections. One of the things that go along after childbirth, sometimes you can't hold your urine the way you used to. You see, um, you, if you see somebody laughing and they're crossing their legs while they're laughing, honey, they're holding it in so they don't pee on themselves. I'm just letting y'all know that, okay? I, and sneezing, sneezing can be deadly if you got a full bladder. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And so um, don't knock somebody who got a change of clothes in their car because they probably have that sneezing, you know, stress incontinence or um, 
happening on, okay? And it's it's one of those things where it's it's something that happens after childbirth. So that's why after you give birth, they start teaching you about doing kegels. Even before you give birth, they're teaching you to do your kegels to help strengthen your pe your pelvic floor. All right. Um, so back to libido and your relationship, right? So um, it, it really all boils down to communication. There are some all would counter natural things you can do to help with your libido. Um, maca is one of the things that helps with your libido. It, it um, You do need to take it regularly over a course of time. Does it work for everyone? No, but it, I mean, it, it can't hurt. It's worth a try. But at the end of the day, if it is a psychological issue, you're going to have to get down to it. Get down to, to what it is that's keeping you from wanting to engage sexually with your spouse. Um, and, and that's open to conversation. And sometimes it gets down to the ugly truth, like, I'm just not that into you anymore. And if that's the case, then it goes back to what I said in the beginning. You need to reintroduce yourself to one another because you both have changed. Okay? You both have, and it's not a bad thing. You've just grown. And sometimes when you, you're growing together, you do tend to grow apart. And now here's the time for you to reconnect, okay? And in that reconnection, you may find that spark again. So it's worth it. It's very worth it, all right? Um, let's see what else I have here. Oh my gosh, there's just so much, but I, I did want to keep it as simple as possible because there was a couple of things I wanted to touch on. The other thing I wanted to touch on is um, a big thing for, for me as a healthcare provider and taking care of my community as a whole. And part of my community is my LGBTQ transgender health community. And with that, vaginal health is really important. It's really important. So I like to, you know, meet with my, my individuals and in order for you to have good care, you have to be open and honest on who you are as a person, all right? What makes you tick? Who are you? And if that's you loving another woman, so be it, okay? We need to know your sexual habits so that we can get a good picture of what's happening if you come in and if you are here for some type of vaginal issue, okay? So that is part of it. So being open and honest about your 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 um, partners, your sexual partners is key. And, and I know everyone's like, well, I don't want to talk about my sexual partners because then everyone's going to think I'm a hoe, I'm a, I'm a thot, whatever the word of the century is, you know, whatever. Okay. And um, who cares what people think? Who cares? It's about you. Get what you need. Okay. I don't care what that other person thinks about me. I don't see this person but once or twice a year. Okay, if that's the way you want to look at it, go so be it. All right, I do have some people that that feel that way, but honestly, you should have a good relationship with your provider. I should be able to talk to you about any and everything in order for me to take care of you holistically. All right, and maybe that's just a nurse, nurse practitioner part of me in medicine, but. 
I can't take care of you unless I know the whole picture. And your sexual habits is part of that whole picture, no matter how you put it. Okay? So you, you, you have to figure out how to get to that comfortable level. And that is you being comfortable with your provider and having those open conversations. So with that transgender uh, LGBTQ health, the, the worst thing, the one thing that pisses me off when they go into the doctor, and I've heard this from different individuals who come see who I have seen in the past after they've seen other providers, they say that, you know, I don't go to that doctor anymore because every time I ask him about, you know, um, when I have my pap smears or, you know, when I have a urinary tract infection, it always goes down to HIV, HIV, HIV. And I, and, and I, I get it. I get it. Um, but that is part of the process if there is issues that are alluding to that diagnosis. But that should not be the first thing that comes out of anyone's mouth because of your who you sleep with. Honestly, no, no. Because if you're heterosexual, then you should be having the same conversation with your heterosexual patients, all right, if, if, that's, if that's the case, all right? So as much as we, we, we are together in some things, we are so far removed from, from being together. It's, it's amazing. It, it just boggles my mind. But, um, so yeah, so not to get too far off on a tangent, that, that piece is, is part of it as in, in, in it, as far as HIV and, you know, being labeled every time you go in for some sort of issue that you're having, um, especially once they know about, or if they know about your, uh, your partner status then they're always looking at that picture first. Sort of like now during the pandemic, when you go you used to go in and you have a, a sinus infection and all of a sudden they're, they're leaving, oh, you got COVID, you got COVID. It's like, I, I did, did you even test me? You don't even know, you know? So they automatically throw it to COVID, right? Um, and I know some of us have seen that, especially some of us, those of us of the black and brown community, we have seen that. As soon as you go in and you you suffer from sinus infections, have suffered from them for years, the first thing they say before they they don't even do a test, oh, you have COVID, go home. And it's like, you didn't even test me. You just, you just telling me. And then you go have a COVID test, it's negative. And then, you know, it's a whole thing. So I put that in the same category as being labeled, having, you know, being tested for HIV for everything you come in to the hospital for or the doctor's office for. Now, moving on to my uh, transgender patients or individuals. Um, if I say patients, I apologize. It's just so, one, um, it's habit. But going on to those of us and uh, living in the transgender life, from female to male, depending on how far you've gone in your surgery, some individuals have just had top surgery, meaning that they had their breast tissue removed and their chest looks more masculine. Some have had the um, bottom surgery. The bottom surgery is very extensive, so very few people have had that. So 
nine times out of ten, most of the transgender uh, female to male population will still have their vagina in place. Minus some will probably have a hysterectomy. Some do elect to do that. Not everyone does, but some do. So this is why it's really important to have a very comfortable relationship with your provider because the, the individual who has transitioned, okay, has affirmed their identity as male. But genetically, they still have those other counterparts, right? Because we can't, unfortunately, as much as we want to, we can't change all those factors about us, right? So if you do not have that close relationship with your provider, there's going to be a disconnect in care. Plain and simple. There's going to be a disconnect in care. So what happens is things get missed. Diagnosis are off because that female component is missing, all right? Men can get breast cancer. Let me just put that out there, all right? But it does not mean that, um, so I say, I say that to say men should get their, get their breast checked as well, okay? So having breast tissue removed does not not does not always guarantee that you will not develop breast cancer. So that is a, a option as a possibility as well. Also, if you still have your if you haven't had bottom surgery, so you still have your vagina there in 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 place the way you were born, then you still have to and should have your every 5 year, every 10 year pap smears. Um, to check because unless you had your cervix removed due to a hysterectomy or your uterus removed due to a hysterectomy, there's still the chance of developing uterine cancer and cervical cancer. So you should be checked for that as well. All right. So again, even though you are male identifying, if you still have your, your uh, uterus and your cervix, you still have a risk of developing uterine and cervical cancer. So you should be checked for those um, cancer agents. If you note that there is some changes in your discharge, in your um, pelvic floor, in your, in your vaginal health, any changes in your vaginal health, let me just say that. All right, so that, that piece, that piece. Um, is really important. So you, you want to have those conversations and you want to have them as early as you can is when you feel comfortable with your provider because you want to establish that those baselines, right? The one thing you don't want to have is be embarrassed to go into your doctor's office. So what I always suggest for my patients who, are, who have transitioned, um, probably finding a provider who, who cares for the LGBTQ community because they're going to be more familiar with the needs of the community and your needs, or find a provider who is LGBTQ friendly and is willing to take care of you and treat you as such. All right. Cause the worst thing is for you to go into an OBGYN office and they call you up and there's a man going into the back room. They're looking like, well, what the hell is happening here? What are we doing? Right? 
So we want to save that embarrassment. I, I that's all I'm saying. Or uncomfortable moment. I don't want to say it's maybe it's not embarrassing, but it, it is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable, and I know it's uncomfortable because I've seen it happen. Um, and the level of uncomfortability for that other individual is just unnerving. And it's like I can feel it for the person, and then they have to carry that with them for the rest of the day. And, and it can ruin, it just ruins the, the mood. It really does. Um, so it's just one of those things. So, yes, so vaginal health, transgender health care, transitioning from female to male. Please make sure that when you go to your providers, you're getting your your annual checks and that you're checking for your uh, uterine and cervical health if it's still in place, if you have not had it removed. And also, even if you've had top surgery, you should still get uh, breast exams, especially if you have a history of these types of cancers in your family. Um, so with that, I just wanted to say I'm going to leave it at that, okay, because, again, I can go on and on and on and on, and I don't want to do that, but vaginal health is important. Vaginal pH, the normal pH is 3.8 to 5. Um, some common bacterial vaginosis, honeymoon cystitis are the most common that we deal with in the office as far as vaginal uh, issues. Of course, there's still the STIs, which is sexually transmitted infections. All right, are uh, the most common for those of us who are aging. Remember that our hormone levels are changing, so you definitely want to pay attention to that vaginal health, um, the dryness, the irritation, pain during intercourse. You want to be aware of and address as soon as possible because one is uncomfortable. It makes you not want to have intercourse and engage that manner. But also, it, it, if that uterine lining, um, not uterine lining, if that vaginal lining tears, it opens up areas for infection, all right? And you want to decrease your chances of infection, so you definitely want to take care of that as soon as possible. Um, also, as far as estrogen changes and the decrease in estrogen as we are aging, um, you want to definitely look into... Um, discussing that with your healthcare provider, with your OBGYN, whenever possible, as soon as possible. Um, if you have any changes in your libido and you think it's due to the hormonal changes, it's definitely worth having that conversation too as well. Or if it's due to some psychological issues, like you're just not into it or you notice that your mood is changing or whatever the reasoning, you know, maybe some level of depression, anxiety, whatever it is, you still want to have that conversation too. Um, because if, if, if you're with a partner, it's, it's only fair that you both are on the same page and, you know, and they can help, they can help. So definitely that as well. Um, and, it, you know, on a lighter note, if you haven't looked at your, your vagina, your vajayjay, whatever you want to call it, in a while, take a mirror and take a look at what you got and, and make sure it's still healthy because you want to make sure you are on the right road to, to health and wellness because that's what it all boils down to. And having adequate vaginal health is part of that. So 
you know, stay close to each other, talk to one another, engage in those in intimate conversations and those uncomfortable conversations because it, it, it can be uncomfortable. For me, it, it's like an everyday walk in the park to talk about sex, vaginas, penis, whatever, because I'm a healthcare professional. For those who are not healthcare professionals, having the conversation can be difficult. So something along the lines of, you know, increasing that sexual health with, with one another is helpful to have that conversation. All right. Um, one thing I do want to share too, it just came to mind um, when those old commercials where, you know, you, the mom and the daughter are, are riding a horse. It's like, mom, you ever had those moments where you were not so fresh? Whoever said that to their mother? I don't know. I know I never did. But anyway, so with those not so fresh moments, you need to pay attention to what's going on down there. All right. Um, you want to be mindful of your cleansing, the soaps you're using. Honestly, water is pretty much all you need down there to kind of clean you up in a little bit of soap. You don't need a great deal of soap. Antibacterial soap does kill the normal flora as well, the normal bacteria that lives there. So you just want to be careful with that. And now they have all these soaps and things that are out there. So um, just be mindful of what you're doing because sometimes uh, you're cleaning and you can change the pH of your vagina as well. So it's just something to be mindful of. Um, I didn't mention tampons, tampon, uh, toxic um, sy syndrome is another thing, leaving tampons in and things like that. So I didn't touch on any of that, but um, it's really important. Not too many people use tampons anymore, but it's still a thing. It's still a thing, um, especially going out to the beach and your, your cycles are. And so I, I get it, but just remember to change your mouth and, and definitely um, don't leave them in there it's during intercourse. That has happened. I've had to retrieve a couple of uh, tampons. It's not, it's not good not good um but yeah so those kind of things you want to be mindful of and make sure you void after sex it, it's helpful to keep that bacteria from developing honeymoon cystitis or urinary tract infection and also do your kegels sit there and strengthen those those pelvic walls you can't even tell i'm doing it i'm doing it right now anyways <laughs> well that's all i have for now I, I think I chewed your ears off for a good 40-something minutes. And um, so if you have any questions, please feel free, send me a message, and um, I'll be more than happy to have that conversation with you again. I do not mind at all because I want us all to take care of ourselves inside, out, and what's around. All right. So um, in case anyone is want, looking to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to reach out. Go on um, www.thesoulfulclectic.com and fill out the form and we can definitely sit and have a chat and see if what you want to talk about and how great you are is something that we want to do on The Soulful Eclectic. Also, if you have any topics that you think are of interest and you want to know more about, definitely send that as well and we can definitely talk about that as well um so coming up in the next week or so we're going to have 
um, since we have vaginal health, we're going to have testicular and penile health because I can't do one without the other since they go hand in hand when we're together, right? Um, so definitely we will talk about that as well for our men. And so, um, yeah, I, I, you know, again, I just love being talking to the community about health and wellness. Um, I used to joke when I was a kid and say that, or not a kid, but in college, you know, doing all this stuff. And, you know, I used to say, I'm going to go teach them on the um, porn sets how to keep their vaginas and their penises healthy, right? I used to love Dr. Ruth, and I just said, I'm going to be the black Dr. Ruth. I'm still working on it. It hasn't happened yet. But in case someone's out there and they're listening and they, and they want to help me on that adventure, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Because if we can have good, healthy sexual habits, maybe it will start to decrease our um, prevalence of bacterial vaginosis, sexual transmitted infections, and all these other issues that we're having. Because sometimes knowledge is power. But again, sometimes knowing better doesn't always make you do better either. Because some people who know the best are not in the word in the best of states so definitely want to keep that in mind but anyway so thank you so much for taking the time out i truly appreciate you if you have not again visit the website www.thesoulfuleclectic.com also the sponsors for us are going to be divine nubian essentials if you're wondering how great my skin is it's because i use divine and I love the product, and so will you. And also, Collins Education Resource Management, where we tutor students who are and want to maintain their success in healthcare programs, from CNAs all the way up to nurse practitioner, because we are able to do that. And so, Collins Education Resource Management, CollinsERM.com. And you can set up an appointment and we can consult with you and do some tutoring one-on-one -on -one or as a group. You let us know. In the meantime, you guys take care of yourself and each other. Namaste.